The Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on Catholic Community Media's Wake Up. So glad to have you tuning your heart to the truth this morning. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido and Johnny Abair. Hey, guys. Good, good morning. morning. Good morning. Good morning. I like that tuning our hearts to the truth, Gabby. That's a great line. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yes. So here we are between Christmas and Lent, so-called ordinary time, when nothing is actually ordinary because the Lord is moving more powerfully than ever in the ordinariness of our everyday lives. So let's make every moment count, and let's do so by getting our day started off in prayer, right? So let's do this. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty, ever-living God, who govern all things, both in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the pleading of your people and bestow your peace on our times. Give us the courage to stand firm in defending the truth of our faith and for protecting the most vulnerable among us from those who would do them harm. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We ask St. Charles of Sazi to pray for us. Pray Amen. Thank you so much, Johnny, for that. Looking forward to your gospel reflection. That'll be in about six minutes. Peter Finney joins us. He is the general manager and editor of the Clarion Herald. And in 18 minutes, he's going to update us on what you're going to be finding in this week's issue of the Clarion Herald in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. In 35 minutes, Ina Rue joins us. She's an intern over at Catholic Charities in the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and she has an incredible story on helping Ukrainian refugees in the Baton Rouge area, you guys. Such a powerful story. She's actually going to be joining us for two segments today, so stay with us. And you definitely don't want to turn that dial or switch to something else. So looking forward to a great show today. And Alicia, looking forward to some, I guess, great weather. I'm well, really not sure what's going on. Not so much great weather. <laughs> it is uh, partly to mostly cloudy with isolated scattered sh- uh, showers forming in the afternoon hours. There are few storms that may develop west of Baton Rouge by late afternoon. The highs will be warm in the upper 70s and lower 80s, feeling just like like January should in South Louisiana. (laughs) The National (laughs) Weather Service has uh, stated that there's a slight risk for severe weather tonight. Uh, So always have a way of alerting each other and and being uh, weather aware. There is currently, well, starting at 9 a.m. this morning until uh, 4 a.m. on Thursday morning, there is a wind advisory in effect. South winds 20 to 25 miles per hour with gusts up to 40 miles per hour are expected. Again, this is issued by the National Weather Service. Uh, So that's all of southwest Mississippi, inland portions of the North Shore, 
store in Metro Baton Rouge. Um, currently this morning, there's just all kind of exciting weather information, but currently <laughs> this morning, uh, no fog in the Baton Rouge area, but North Shore all the way into Bay St. Louis, there's a dense fog advisory until 9 a.m., like starting right at Denham Springs is having that that dense fog advisory, mm-hmm. which seems so strange since we have no fog here. But um, So I guess there might be a little patchy fog in Baton Rouge, so do be aware as you're driving into work and school this morning. Uh, temperatures in the area, Baton Rouge, 67 degrees, New Orleans, 65, uh, Ponchatoula also 65, and 62 in Bay St. Louis. So there's your weather. Bring your umbrella. You might need it. You might not. You never know, right? So stick around. Johnny Abear uh, will share his gospel reflection with us. It's five minutes after the hour on Wake Up. Good Wednesday to you. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel comes to us from Mark chapter 3. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? But they remained silent. Looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart, Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. Thank you, Father Chris Decker. Let's talk about priesthood today. You know, there's this myth that started with the Reformation, and it goes this way, that once the Messiah came, there would be no need anymore for priests or priestly sacrifices. They say that Jesus is now the sole mediator and sacrifices here on planet Earth no longer necessary. So that pretty much removes the need for a priest altogether, according to some, since the, since the Reformation. However, and scripturally, this the exact opposite is true. So, so let's dive into that. In our first reading so far this year, you notice it's been uh, from Hebrews where St. Paul has been talking about how Jesus is our high priest. And he says it's, quote, according to the order of Melchizedek. So let's key off this, this mysterious figure, this Melchizedek guy from the book of Genesis. We hear the name that Melchizedek infers that he was the king of Salem, which means the king of peace, as well as a priest of God. So we already have here a king of peace and the priest of God. There, right off the bat, we have these connections to Jesus Christ himself. So this mysterious priest had no ancestry. We don't have any information on a mother or a father, no age. So kind of a precursor to Jesus being co-eternal, uh, begotten or sent from the father, not created. And we go on, Melchizedek meets Abraham as he comes into the land of Cana, promised to him, the King's Valley, which will later be called Jerusalem, Jerusalem, meaning the city of peace. And of all things, Melchizedek brings out bread and wine as an offering to God, an unbloody non-animal sacrifice, obviously prefiguring Jesus, establishing the sacrifice of the mass using bread and wine in Jerusalem, which he says is 
his body and blood. It's very forward-looking uh, because later we, as we're going to read about Abraham going on, and you recall that Abraham was going to sacrifice his son, and uh, the Lord stopped him and said, the Lord said, he himself, the Lord, will provide the lamb, which, of course, Jesus is the lamb of God offered on the cross. Mm-hmm. But before the Messiah came, we, we have a parade of Old Testament prophets who carry on the clear revelation that when the Messiah comes, sacrifices will continue. So let's move to that. So let's go right off to Psalm 110.4, where we read this, The Lord has sworn and will not waver. You are a priest forever in the manner of Melchizedek. This is David, speaking of David now, as a priest and forever is a long time, right? So we have a high priest, but then uh, we have this uh, tier of priests serving in the temple from David uh, even before onward. Then let's move on to Jeremiah chapter 14. Jeremiah, we read, quote, For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a successor on the throne of house of Israel, nor shall the priests of Levi ever be lacking before me to offer burnt offerings burnt uh, and to make sacrifices unquote that's pretty clear ever as again forever <laughs> and we're speaking of human beings here right next Zechariah he speaks very clearly talking about the messianic age and he says that quote the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar and everyone who sacrifices shall come and take them and cook in them unquote Interestingly, this, this passage here, one Protestant author, David Curry, uh, wrote a whole book about this. He became Catholic because of the power of this, this truth that their sacrifices would continue in the Mass. And let's just do one more example, the prophet Malachi, which closes out the Old Testament, actually. And we read this, he writes in chapter 1, quote, From the rising of the sun to its setting, incense offerings are made to my name everywhere and a pure offering. And everyone, unquote, this is uh, would agree this is a messianic prophecy going on here. And one more clincher. He says this, quote, He will res- sit refining and purifying silver, and he will purify the Levites, called what the priests, refining them like gold or silver. Why? It goes on to say that they may bring offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Levites, again, the human priests, purified as they stand before the Lord, the high priest personified in Jesus, who made priests of his apostles. And those apostles had successors, which they laid hands on to take their place as priests. So that's pretty clear. Let's turn to the gospel now. Jesus, our high priest, enters the synagogue today as the high priest. Everything about his passion, his death, and his resurrection parallel this Jewish understanding of a perpetual and pure sacrifice. So this is the essence of the Catholic faith, then. In the holy sacrifice of the Mass, Jesus is not re-crucified, as some non-Catholics would say, but rather it is Jesus himself as the high priest offering himself timelessly, perpetually, with the priest, our, our priests here on earth standing, quote, in persona of Christ. A, these are priests forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So the holy sacrifice of the Mass, then, is eternal. It's outside our concept of time. It's universal to all peoples, all cultures, and sacrificial in the sense that this is the means through which all graces continue to flow into the world. 
And finally, we close this with the vision of John in the book of the Revelation, where we see the lamb standing as if slain, manna, the food of the angels flowing down to our altar, Jesus offering to his people, but who on earth is receiving that and lifting that up are his, the priests themselves standing in persona. It's nothing short of beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. And humbling. Yeah. So the Catholic faith, just this way, we had to remember that we're talking about three areas of priests. We have the high priests, Jesus the Lord, the liturgical priests on earth, and we, the royal priesthood, who celebrate this timeless sacrifice. So it's a beautiful teaching today with Melchizedek in the background uh, mm -hmm. and echoing the, the eternal uh, offering of our priests. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Yes, and I couldn't help but smile while this gospel was being read because I am in season three of The Chosen, and it's just, um, I don't know, Jesus is so humorous, you know, when he's trying not to be, I think, uh, serious, and uh, when he goes out and helps people and just stuns people, and right now I'm in the part where he is being questioned, are you claiming that you're the Messiah? And people are just shocked, and I can't help but smile throughout these episodes and this gospel. It's exactly what it's reminding me of. So thanks, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. These apostles may not be perfect, but they do offer a perfect <laughs> sacrifice. Yeah. Stay with us, because Peter Finney's going to join us next with some great stories and information on the next issue of the Clarion Herald. It is seven fifteen on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media Saint of the Day for January eighteenth. Today we celebrate St. Charles of Setzi. Some people go through life doing good deeds that attract attention. Others, like St. Charles of Setzi, just do good deeds. Born southeast of Rome in 1613, Charles was inspired by some of the early followers of Francis to become a Franciscan himself. In his autobiography, The Grandeurs of the Mercies of God, Charles explained, our Lord put in my heart a great desire to be poor and to beg alms for his love. The young friar got his wish. He served as a cook, sacristan, gardener, and beggar at various friaries in Italy. As doorkeeper, he was kept busy distributing food to the needy. But the more he gave away, the more alms increased. Charles also was sought for spiritual advice. One such person was Pope Clement IX, who called for the friar to his deathbed for a final blessing. On the surface, little in the life of today's saint was noteworthy. But if we go deeper, we see that his entire life was spectacular in his utter cooperation with God's grace. St. Charles of Setsi died in 1670. Pope John XXIII canonized him in 1959. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. Thank you so much for tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido. Our first guest today is Peter Finney. Peter is a general manager and editor of the Clarion Herald. And today he's going to update us on what you're going to be finding in this week's issue in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Hey, Peter, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Hey, thank you, Gabby, so much. Enjoy being here. Absolutely. So let's talk about what we'll find in this week's issue with this one. The Archdiocese has begun a pastoral planning process. Kind of tell us what that is and the steps that uh, it will be going through. Sure. Uh, it's a pastoral planning process. Obviously, uh, 
across the country, you've seen dioceses look at the state of parish life uh, in, in their own uh, diocese. And the Archdiocese mm-hmm. of New Orleans is doing that as well. Uh, Archbishop Amon says there's, there's no doubt that uh, there probably will be changes to come in the years to come uh, in terms of parish setup, whether that would mean uh, a consolidation of some parishes or joining together uh, where ministry can be done uh, by a couple of parishes. So they have developed uh, and actually established a parish sustainability committee to review the pastoral and spiritual and, uh, and, and financial data from every parish in the archdiocese. And that, that work has already been uh, underway uh, within the parishes. And it's been done over the last you know, several months. And a profile for each parish has been uh, given uh, to the pastor uh, of the parish. And so the, the, what, the parishes that are, that are facing significant challenges are, are, are going to be asked to, to, to gather a team of, of people together and you can hear my little grandson in the background. So we, I'm babysitting. I'm, my, my daughter-in-law is, expect, is is in labor right now, so I'm over at her house oh my goodness. taking care of the other three kids. <laughs> that is okay, anyway, Peter. The, uh, the parishes, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> the, the parishes that have significant challenges have been kind of uh, identified, and they are working with a team of parishioners to go through, uh, you know, what can be done maybe to to, to strengthen what, where they need to have strengthening. And then there's other parishes that... Uh, they may be doing better, and they're going to be asked to kind of look at, uh, again, look at their, their ministry, and also with the help of the amazing parish organization, how can we strengthen uh, our parish life? So uh, all that work is going on right now. There's been no decisions made uh, absolutely about anything uh, in the pastoral plan, and the Archbishop made that very clear, that parishes uh, will be able to give any kind of feedback to the Archdiocese to make sure that uh, the feedback is heard before any decisions are made. And that's basically what it is. The Archbishop said, uh, obviously, we don't like to think about, you know, making changes uh, in, the, in the structure of parishes, but uh, as, as a good steward, uh, we have to look at this. And so that's, what, uh, that's the process that's going on right now. I would imagine that this is quite difficult for those parishes who really have to take a step back and say, we can't do this alone, and those who are ha- have to go through this process. Yes, it, oh, it, it's certainly a challenge, and uh, mm-hmm. that's why they're doing it, uh, you know, on a parish-by-parish basis. So uh, parishioners, yeah. the, the pastoral council of each parish has certainly been informed by about all this process, and so they're going through... Uh, kind of a step-by-step approach. How, what can we do to let's take a look at ourselves? What are our challenges? Yeah. What are our strengths? And then, um, and then we'll come up with a plan. And there are a lot of parishes in the Archdiocese of New Orleans as well, so I'm sure that's quite a process. Thank you so much, Peter. We'll definitely take a look at that. Let's talk about Bishop-elect John Tran. He will be ordained as Auxiliary Bishop of Atlanta, really in a matter of days. Just yeah, it'll be Monday, January twenty third uh, in Atlanta. He'll be ordained to the episcopacy as it'll, it'll be. He'll be Atlanta's third auxiliary bishop. Uh, there are two other auxiliary bishops mm-hmm. currently, uh, but the, the stories that come out about uh, Bishop Electran are just amazing. He is a humble servant. Uh, he, of course, people know about the story. He donated his kidney, uh, it, it, one of his kidneys, uh, to a, a, a priest friend who was in, uh, in dialysis and, and in need. He did it without hesitation. Uh, after hurricanes, he's, he directs uh, leadership teams to go to, to Texas and Florida and you know help with hurricane supply relief. 
uh, gutting houses and cutting trees down. In fact, uh, one of the prisoners told me, John Tomba, said he was actually on a house uh, in 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic. A, a tree had fallen on a trailer of a, an elderly Vietnamese uh, man, and he went with a team of Knights of Columbus to clear the tree, and it, it went bad. Uh, 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 he was up 13 feet, uh, a, a branch uh, shifted, and he fell to the ground 13 feet, and he was seriously injured. Uh, he, he hurt his liver. And, uh, but, you know, he's a guy who just never stops giving. He cuts the grass at the parish grounds. The joke is they're going to have to uh, keep the ladders away from him in Atlanta because he's going to want to climb and, and do all kind of work like that. But he's a, he's a giving, humble servant, and people just really love him. And uh, we're going to miss him, but Atlanta's getting a great, a great priest and bishop. How humbling. What wonderful. I love hearing stuff about that, uh, about those humble priests who just do extra things around the right. parish, of course. Uh, no surprise to me. So they are very lucky over in Atlanta to have Bishop-elect John Tran. So let's also yeah. talk. Uh, this is a very important issue because the January 21st issue has your Catholic Schools Week section. That, that's right. And and we have uh, Catholic Schools Week uh, is coming up at the, at the end of January. And one of the great little things that we did was uh, we, we solicited uh, reflections from Catholic school students about what, uh, you know, tell me about what, why, do you, why, do you, why are Catholic schools important to you? And what sacrifices mm-hmm. have your parents made to, to give you a Catholic education? What teachers have made a difference in your life? We got more than 60, uh, uh, you know, reflections back. And they're just, they're all in the students' words about everyone has a personal story about why they love being in Catholic schools, why their parents have sacrificed so much to pay the tuition. And uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's just a really great read. And it's a great affirmation of all the great work that principals and teachers are doing uh, in our Catholic schools. We actually talked about this uh, last week. We were talking to the superintendent of Catholic schools for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. As a kid, you don't realize the sacrifice your parents make to put you into a Catholic school or the sacrifices they make in general uh, until you become an adult or you get a little bit older. Uh, I am grateful that my parents put me in uh, Catholic education. So I love hearing that. And Catholic Schools Week was always such a fun week for the students, the teachers, and the parents. So looking forward to that week coming up. And we will actually be speaking to Dr. Raynell Houston in the Archdiocese of New Orleans during Catholic Schools Week as we kick that off. So looking forward to that, Peter. And let's talk about the kids' clarion. What do you have going on in that section? Yes. Um, each year, the, uh, the uh, Missionary Childhood Association sponsors uh, a contest for students to do prayer cards excuse me, and prayers for mission work around the world. And uh, it's a contest, and there were three winners uh, at different grade, lo- grade levels. And Felix Zhang, a seventh grader from St. Anthony School in Gretna, and uh, Ellie Godet, fifth grader from St. Angela Marisi, and uh, Ella Dietrich from uh, Mary Queen of Peace in Mandeville, uh, they won the prayer card and prayer uh, contest that was sponsored. And it's beautiful artwork, and people will enjoy seeing it uh, in the Kids' Clarion. I love it. You got a, a winner from the North Shore, South Shore, and West Bank, so you've covered all the areas. That's right. <laughs> Peter Finney, <laughs> General Manager and Editor of the Clarion Herald. Where can we read more stories and pick up our copy? You can read it. Uh, you can pick it up at every church in the Archdiocese of New Orleans this weekend, and you can go online to clarionherald.org, and it's on our electronic edition. It's up right now. Oh, my goodness. We'll be praying for you and your family. Congratulations, Peter. Thank you so much for being with us today. (laughs) Thank you so much, Gabby.
Take care. Absolutely. Hey, you can read these stories at clarionherald.org. I'll be posting the links in the comment section for today's Facebook Live video. We are streaming on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com and search Catholic Community Media, and it's the first pinned post you see. So the first post you will see on our actual Facebook page. It's also on the featured posts. If you are on our Facebook page, you will see all of it. We are live on our YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com. Also search Catholic Community Media, and you can click on the bell and click on the subscribe button so every time we go live you will receive a notification so uh looking forward to this and alicia we have a few minutes to talk about something else we're looking forward to and that is advent at sea coming up this december that's right gabby it is uh Advent at Sea with Father Chris Decker. It's a four-night Western Caribbean cruise aboard Carnival's Valor. So it departs from New Orleans, an easy uh, drive from most of our listening area. Uh, And that is Thursday, December 7th, returning on Monday, December 11th. So take a nice long weekend uh, with Father Chris Mm -hmm. Decker. There will be daily mass, opportunities for confession, and I'm sure a little spiritual direction along the way as you cruise to uh, your destination there are there's more information about how to get a cabin how to make your reservation prices deposits and all that good information if you visit our website at ccmedia.live it's right there on the home page you have to scroll down a little bit uh, but all of the information is there all of the contact information for our cruise consultant is there as well uh, the deposits are due by february 15th so uh so there's a little bit of a timely uh, deadline on this one. So you want to make sure uh, that you get your reservation in. We did uh, have one scheduled for 2020. And as you know, we had to postpone Mm -hmm. that. So this is uh, a great opportunity to sail away with Father Chris Decker on Carnival's Valor for Advent. Advent at sea, December 7th through December 11th of 2023. Great. It will be a wonderful time. You can definitely check that out, like Alicia said, on our website. We'll stick around. Ina Rowe joins us. She has a powerful story about her time in Ukraine, creating refugees and what Cali Charities in the Diocese of Baton Rouge is doing to help them. It is half past the hour on Wake Up. past the hour you're tuning in to wake up this morning i'm gabby smith along with alicia quibido our next guest is ina rue she's an intern over at catholic charities in the diocese of baton rouge and she has such a powerful story that i think we all need to hear good morning ina thank you so much for being with us today oh good morning uh, it's my pleasure so ina uh, we are doing great, and we're so glad to have you with us today. You were born and raised in U- Ukraine, and you have such a powerful story on how you got to the United States, and really a perspective I think a lot of us uh, don't realize or need to hear. Kind of tell us a little bit about your story. Absolutely. Uh, so I was, uh, yeah, I was uh, raised in Ukraine until I was 25, and... I moved to America uh, eight years ago, so um, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what you want to know. Well, let's talk about how you uh, 
got to the United States, but also you uh, are currently working at LSU to get your master's, um, which is honestly going from being coming being a refugee into a new country um, and starting something like even going to college into the life of receiving a master's, which is very difficult and challenging to do, accomplishing that currently, um, getting married and also your time at Catholic Charities in Baton Rouge. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, it's a, uh, yeah, when I'm looking back on, you know, everything that happened, I'm like, wow, God has really did a great miracle in my life. Because um, in Ukraine, I was growing up in a small uh, farming community where, uh, yeah, there was nothing in there. I never went to any sporting event i mean i no, like um never did uh, anything extra besides school and so i was growing up you know in poverty and me and my mom and my two younger brothers we didn't have nothing we had no electricity no running water uh no food often and uh no good clothing to wear and often got um laughed at because you know, I didn't look like all the other kids and never had things that they had. And, yeah, after a while, I was, uh, you know, start questioning, like, why God would, you know, even bring me to this world, you know, because uh, my dad died when I was really young, and my mom had a hard time raising us, but she did a really good job, I mean, considering circumstances that she had no job, no money. And um, so when I was at age 15, uh, I went to the city uh, for a high school. Well, it's, um, well, in Ukraine, we don't have really high schools. It's like you go straight to college, uh, like to um, mm-hmm. a trade school. And I went there hoping that, you know, my life will that something would change, and that was the time when I met people from Orphan's Promise. Um, they were working with uh, uh, orphans and um, uh, children from um, hard backgrounds um, all over the world, and they started in Ukraine, actually in one of the projects mm-hmm. that I entered at the age 15. And at that time, I had no, no faith, no hope, and, mm-hmm. you know, I was just floating, you know, with going with the flow, and it was a time where um, I met those uh, people from um, Orphan's Promise, the directors, and they were so nice to me, like so kind, and I was just starting to wonder, like, how people do that some to me, you know, being kind yeah. to someone they don't know, and that, like, the, the awoken in me, the, um, just the curiosity about Christianity in in general and about God and mm-hmm. after years they help they uh, just raised me the person I am now you know and they gave me a lot of opportunities to volunteer and to work with them and in 2015 uh, the main directors from Virginia they came to our town when I was working and they asked me well we heard so at that time I started having that wild dream <laughs> so well, so everyone said because, you know, thinking where I came from, it was crazy to dream about something like that. You know, I always want to go to America and to uh, finish yeah. the college. 
you know, get get my degree. And everyone who heard that, they would be like, yeah, sure, you know, you can dream about it, but you should know that that's something that probably would never happen. And in 2015, one uh, of the head directors, they came um, to this town and they told me, it's like, well, we heard that we have this dream and, you know, we want to give it a shot. And <laughs> so they gave me a full scholarship to private university in America. Wow. wow. That's incredible. Absolutely uh, incredible. Uh, Ina, I just, you know, I, continue. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so in 2016, I came to, my first, I went to Bible school in Montana. Um, so it was for nine months and then uh, entered the college and finished that in three years. Uh, I barely knew English back then, so I had to learn on the go and you know as the classes progressed and I finished it with in three years and with 3.5 GPA that was pretty good wow. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yes I'm a better new English but I was so eager to learn and also thankful every day that God gave me the opportunity and uh, that's actually when I met my husband who's from Denham Springs Louisiana uh, wow. he was uh, he just got out of the army. Well, he um, he was a veteran. Uh, he was active duty for eight years, and he was uh, doing his school there as well. And we met and fell in love. And 2019, we moved to Louisiana, where I uh, joined the Army National Guard because I wanted to continue education, and I also want to be in the army, you know, because I was proud everything my husband did in the army and I want to serve the country that, uh, you know, become my second home. So here I am. I'm on my second year of uh, getting my master's at LSU in social work. And wow. I'm still looking back and shaking my head and disbelief that all oh, this happened to me. And I was, yeah, have hard to help uh, children with trauma. So that's, uh, mm. Yeah, I work in Ukraine with orphans, and I want to continue the work, but also like from scientific, uh, with scientific background, to help uh, children, not only in Ukraine but also uh, in America, and anywhere where God sent me. To and so that's why this work with refugees, where I become mm-hmm. injured, become really a blessing because it was something that I never knew I needed. You know, it's like I want to. Because my mom is still in Ukraine. She's in an occupied oh. area. Oh, and there's not much I can do to you yeah. know, ensure her safety. So I think working with refugees here helped me, you know, to invest into bringing the victory to Ukraine closer, you know, and helping those who fled the war and... Um, and they came to Louisiana looking for better life. So mm. I do my best to to help and use the resources that uh, Catholic charities have because they they're a great program there. You know, able to mm. translate and uh, just help the clients uh, and yeah, find the resources and also get the documents. So, so far, yeah. it's a hard but yeah. beautiful journey. <laughs> 
Ina, Ina, we're going to take a break right here. Take a pause on your story real quick. You are helping so many people in the area uh, bring comfort and peace in such maybe one of the hardest times in their entire life. But stay with us. We're going to continue this conversation and learn a little bit more about you uh, and continue this powerful story. Alicia will be talking to Ina Rowe internet catholic charities in baton rouge and uh ukrainian refugee just amazing wonderful powerful woman so stay with us it's 45 past the hour on wake up minutes before the hour. You're tuned in to Catholic Community Radio. Wake up and you're tuning your heart to the truth. We're continuing a conversation with Ina Rowe. She is an intern with Catholic Charities in Baton Rouge. Uh, If you missed the first segment, just to catch you up, Ina was born and raised in Ukraine. Uh, Orphan's Promise took her to the U.S., uh, helped her get here, uh, go to college. She has a beautiful uh, marriage with her husband and uh, is working on her master's degree in social work. We were first introduced to Ina through an article in the Catholic Commentator in November. Good morning again, Ina. Good morning. Good morning. We're so glad that that you're with us, and we know that this is this is um, a, a topic that touches so many of us, but particularly you, uh, and in this situation with the Ukraine and the gift that you're giving to the people of Ukraine uh, that have been displaced and have come to our country is is so beautiful and a gift that continues to give, as you know, since you have have uh, have had the opportunity uh, to come here to the United States. So you're working on your master's degree in social work, right, Ina? Yes, ma'am. Okay, and what are your plans? Yeah, uh, uh, so uh, I came uh, originally to America to study uh, psychology. Okay. So I got my undergrad in psychology, and then uh, I decided to go to social work, so I have a concentration about helping uh you know, just children with a hard background. Because mm-hmm. in Ukraine, when I was working with orphans, you know, the kids to, they were the hardest to work with, were my favorite. And mm-hmm. so I, I always like had a, felt like had a special connection with them because I used to be an orphanage myself yes. a little bit when mm-hmm. my mom couldn't take care of me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that experience, was, I know foster care is different in America, but you know, I guess it's similar, you know, the feeling of being like feeling alone in this world and yes. hoping that someone uh, will come by, you know, and uh, give you the hand. Yes. And so in, that's in Ukraine when I developed a passion for children to have uh, developmental trauma mm. and for kids who've been in hard situations. And I want to help them with like... Uh, you know, having these tools from psychology and social work. And in the future, I want to uh, go to a college at TCU to, so I want to continue more education to yeah. have concentration on developmental trauma. Uh, and because, you know, I want to be equipped to really help, not to, um, you know, not just to listen to the stories. Yes. We, you know, yes. found a connection and, ability to open up uh, to each other, but also to help them succeed in life, you know, because the trauma leaves 
a great mark, you know, mm-hmm. you, on people's souls and people's heart, you know, kids and children's hearts. And you might not see it, you know, but it's really affecting. I mean, I can tell it uh, myself that being 31 year old, the childhood trauma is still echoing, you know, and Absolutely. situations where you don't expect. Yes. And, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have so many people who, you know, throughout the years were lifting me up. And even today, my husband and his family, uh, yeah, they're, you know, always there for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they helping me to overcome, you know, every day. And wow. I just, you know, so saddens me that there's so many children and even adults who you know, already like having the baggage that going yes. through life and and needing hope and need uh, guidance, and that's why that's my passion and that's something I want to do. That is beautiful. And, uh, what a beautiful gift to so many children and, as you mentioned, adults who 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 need someone who can understand, who can relate uh, to their tragedy. Ina, talk about you. You are an intern with Catholic Charities in Baton Rouge, and you've been working specifically with Ukrainian refugees. So talk about uh, the internship, what what you're doing, how you're helping, uh, and what it means to you. So I started uh, already my second semester. Mm-hmm. This semester was wonderful. I mean, it was hard emotionally. Yeah, I really needed the break, like to recharge because Every day I was talking about their stories, oh. you know, it's like my uh, coordinator, she told me, you know, need to, in psychology, uh, you know that you need to like disengage sometimes and not take it personally, but I'm like, I can't, you know, it's like right. every it's... time I meet a Ukrainian, it's like my family member coming, you know, yes. and they come with those stories, how they, how they were, you know, grabbing their children and their backpack and just fleeing the city, you know, trying to get through the border, being mm-hmm. all over in Europe, you know, and then when they heard about this program in America, you know, United for Ukraine, they just took it, you know, held it like a stick, you know, when they're drowning. Yes. And they just took this leap of faith to come to America and become refugees. Uh, and for me, it was, um, first of all, it blew my mind because before that, I didn't know that this program existed, so I came there like when I think it was just started, you know, that month. And we have, you know, so many Ukrainians uh, coming. I think we have over like 70 in our system where, you know, the founder sponsors that came here. And I'm so overwhelmed, you know, with the way America, you know, Americans open their hearts and homes to basically strangers, you know, mm-hmm. who work on them, their homes and their lives. I mean, sometimes you're thinking like, oh, you, when your relative is coming, you're like, oh, you know, that's yeah. <laughs> a few days, but, you know, having complete strangers for months or even more, that's, uh, I'm in yes. awe, really. And wow. we, uh, so when I came there, you know, there's a need for someone who can speak the language and mm-hmm. translate, because many of them didn't know, uh, English much, so we needed to, you know, for them to fill the documents, to get all the information they needed, you know, the resources mm-hmm. we have. Mm-hmm. So 
so I was able to uh, explain what we have and also introduce them to American culture because it is uh, a lot different than Ukrainians. <laughs> right. There's a lot of things they like don't know, have no clue, you know, oh, what, the, yes. what things are important here and what they're supposed to focus on. So I was able, you know, be living here for eight years, able to um, kind of give you a piece of my mind to say like that, because stuff here taking patience, you know, yes. patience, hard work. We need to, uh, you know, good things will come in a, in a good time. So mm -hmm. either, yes, you know, enjoy now and suffer later, or right. work hard now and enjoy the benefits. Enjoy the benefits. So I was able to. You know, wow. help them, guide them, you know, the first, because it is overwhelming at first, you know, besides mm -hmm. jet lag, you have this new yes. culture, new state, even new so weather. Much. I mean, the weather is right. so different here. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I mean, what you call cold here, it's, my mom called it, it got warmer in Ukraine, you know. Oh, yes. Like 40 yes. degrees, she, she was like, yeah, it finally got warm because <laughs> it used to be like minus 20, and now it's 40, and she, oh, she's my. happy. Oh, my but, goodness. You know, so, about the weather. Oh, Ina, yeah, um, unfortunately, we have really enjoyed hearing your story. So moving. What a giving heart you have. We are so blessed to have you in our community and at Catholic Charities in Baton Rouge. You can find out more information at ccdiobr.org. Ina Rowe, we are blessed to hear your story. Thanks so much for joining us on Wake Up This Morning. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Wow. What a powerful story and so much more to it, I'm mm -hmm. sure. Um, I'd like to close this morning with a prayer for the people of Ukraine. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. Grant peace and protection to the people of Ukraine. Give them strength and courage to defend what is good, right, and holy. Keep them safe from harm and provide for them for all their needs, both temporal and spiritual. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Have a wonderful Wednesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.